The following program was paid for by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. The views and opinions expressed on Answers Live are not necessarily those of the staff and management of the station. Management has not investigated the claims made during this program. The views and medical recommendations of guests on Answers Live are not necessarily those of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. As always, consult your health professional regarding any medical decisions. Welcome to Answers Live, your community medical connection, making a partnership of good health. The studio lines are open for your calls and questions. Call 973-267-9687. Now, here's your host, Tom Wood. Good morning and welcome to Answers Live, your community medical connection, creating a partnership of good health. I'm your host, Tom Wood. This is a call-in show, so of course I always ask you to please call in and speak to my guest. The call-in number is 973-267-9687. Again, it's 973-267-9687. Answers Live is brought to you every Sunday by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists, the largest subspecialized neurosurgery group in the state. With eight locations throughout New Jersey, our newest one in Bedminster, New Jersey on Main Street. You can reach us in our main office in Morristown at 973-285-7800 or on the web at ansdocs.com. Again, that's ansdocs.com. Okay, today I'm very excited on our topic. It's exploring geriatrics. And my special guest today is the medical director of geriatric health and disease management at St. Barnabas Medical Center. Excuse me. Teresa Redling. Welcome to the show. Thank you for inviting me. Very, very happy to have you. Okay, can you just give the listeners a little bit of background on your schooling and your position and um, where you are to get, we can find you? Sure. I'm a graduate of uh, University of Medicine Dentistry of New Jersey and went on to complete a medical residency in internal medicine at Morristown Memorial Hospital, and then in addition went on to complete a three-year fellowship in geriatric medicine at Mount Sinai School of Medicine in New York City. So I am, uh, in addition, board certified in hospice and palliative medicine, so I'm triply board certified in internal medicine, geriatric medicine, hospice, and palliative care. Okay, wonderful. Again, welcome so much to the show. Um, Just to give some background where we can get a hold of you, uh, your address is 101 Old Short Hills Road, Suite 302 in West Orange. And the number to reach you, again, is 973-322-6457. And I will give that again at the end of the show. This is such an interesting topic to me, of course, uh, aging myself. Um, and having a lot of friends, of course, we're all getting up in age. So I guess to open the show, I want to know um, how can a geriatrician make a difference in the life or medical care of a senior? Well, geriatric medicine is a specialized field, just as if you have a heart condition, you would see a cardiologist or a heart specialist. As you get older, you may have conditions that specifically affect you or older adults. So a geriatrician is someone that has specialty training in managing particular uh, illnesses in older adults. For example, memory impairment, um, difficulty walking, history of falls. There's a whole laundry list of conditions that more commonly afflict older adults. And that's specifically what a geriatrician is trained in. Okay. So um, most of us have an internal medicine or family practice. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is like a specialty of that, that a that an elderly person could have. Correct. That you know a little bit more or specialize more in that. That's interesting. I didn't actually even know that. Mm-hmm. So a geriatrician. Um, can you tell me something new and exciting in the field of geriatric medicine? Well, as some of you may know, the fastest growing population in this country is over 85 years old. 
So this this our country is really not geared up to manage the silver tsunami, as some people are calling it, particularly because there's a lot of conditions that are difficult to manage and maybe quite costly for our nation to manage. For example, dementia. Uh, So what's exciting in geriatrics, I think, is the focus of managing these particular illnesses and the um, commitment for our new healthcare plan towards managing certain conditions, as well as um, certain clinical trials and doing research, et cetera, on certain conditions that afflict the elderly, particularly dementia. Okay. I do want to touch base a lot on dementia as we go through, but let's touch base a little bit um, on some of the other ailments besides that. Mm-hmm. What are some of the ailments that a geriatrician would manage that you would want to uh, have a geriatrician opposed to, say, just your basic family medicine mm-hmm. doctor? Most geriatricians are very skilled at managing people with lots of medical conditions, a lot of chronic illnesses, a lot of different medications. We call that polypharmacy. And then certain geriatric syndromes, which include falls, difficulty walking, urinary incontinence, for example. Those are just certain some examples. Okay. And if you have, uh, say, um, fall issues, which I think a lot of elderly do, mm-hmm. um, would you do anything different? You just have um, more training in that? What would you do a little bit differently than an internal medicine or mm-hmm. family practice? I think assessing specifically certain either medications or medical illnesses that can contribute to falls or, or gait impairment, lightheadedness, dizziness, Medication management is a big part of it, and then knowing when to refer after a full evaluation or a falls assessment to appropriate individuals like physical therapists, et cetera, to assist with managing falls or gait impairment. Okay, so through therapy and, and physical therapy, mm-hmm. occupational therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, the, the big question that I want to start and have a, a really in-depth um, discussion on is dementia. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of shows back, we uh, were speaking to a neuropsychologist a few weeks ago, and dementia came up very briefly. And I learned something about dementia and Alzheimer's disease. Um, and I want to really delve into that because I think that's the interesting part that the audience would want to know is, mm. what is dementia? Um, what is it? What actually happens to that brain mm-hmm. with dementia? Then when when do you start to get that? You hear people in mm-hmm. Alzheimer's in their 50s, mm-hmm. and I find that falls under that umbrella. Can mm-hmm. you explain that to us? So dementia is a global impairment of the brain. A lot of people associate dementia per se with Alzheimer's, and all dementia is not Alzheimer's, but I'll speak to more uh, in, in a second about that. Uh, dementia is is a global impairment. What that means is memory impairment in other areas of the brain that keep you independent and functional. So just pure short-term memory impairment is not dementia. It's when that memory impairment and additional uh, other functional areas of the brain are afflicted so you can't manage yourself independently anymore. There is a condition with just pure short-term memory impairment. We call that mild cognitive impairment of the amnestic type. And unfortunately, we now know that about 12 to 15% of those people that are diagnosed with MCI, which is the abbreviation for mild cognitive impairment of the amnestic type, which is just memory, will actually evolve per year to an Alzheimer's type picture. About 15% of people with MCI, amnestic type, will develop Alzheimer's per year. So we know that it's prodromal for Alzheimer's, per se. 
So again, uh, what actually happens to the brain tissue? I guess mm-hmm. being uh, clinical, but my background's vascular. Mm-hmm. When you have a stroke or you have lack of blood flow, that tissue dies mm-hmm. um, and it stops functioning. Mm-hmm. Um, so-called, say, a, a healthy person who's routinely healthy, mm-hmm. they start to slowly get dementia. And we'll touch on Alzheimer's there. What is actually happening, I guess, physiologically? Mm-hmm. I think I'm trying to ask the question to that brain. I mean, the tissue Well, it depends stops. on the type of dementia. Particularly Alzheimer's is the neurons are dying, basically. The brain cells are dying. So as in stroke, you have death of brain cells. And depending on where the blood supply is affected, that area of, of the brain dies. But in Alzheimer's, they're actually a slow neuronal death. And it starts in certain areas of the brain, for example, memory impairment, but then it becomes more global and affects different areas of the brain. Ultimately, the brain cells start dying, and that's where you start getting the memory impairment. We're not really 100% sure why that, what exactly happens in Alzheimer's. We know that there's some abnormalities in the chemicals in the brain, the neurotransmitters that assist with memory and other functional uh, aspects of the brain. And that's why you're going to find, since it's not just one chemical or neurotransmitter that's affected by Alzheimer's, you're going to find a lot of different abnormalities, not just memory. You have mood changes, behavioral changes as the disease progresses. And ultimately, unfortunately, people will lose the ability to swallow and to walk and to communicate. So it becomes really, it's a very global disease of the brain. Okay. And and what what would be some of the beginning symptoms? Um, I'm sure a lot of the listeners are, are, have family members or mm-hmm. parents or, you know, maybe, God forbid, themselves, that they they start to forget little things and then they go, oh, my God, am I getting Alzheimer's mm-hmm. or dementia? Mm-hmm. And how do we correlate between normal aging brain and having something where they would say, I have to go see Dr. Redling because maybe this is more than just me getting older. I mean, I forget a lot all the time. I don't think <laughs> that yet. But how, how do you decipher that? So normal brain aging, there is a change in the ability to integrate new information a bit. It may take a little longer to learn new things. It may take a little longer to bring out information that you know already as far as short-term things. Um, but that's norm- that's considered normal aging. When it becomes abnormal is when the short-term memory impairment or other changes that I'll, I could speak to in a moment, uh, start affecting your ability to independently function. So some people may not present with pure memory loss initially. There may be behavioral changes, be- irritability, depression, anxiety. So there are um, a lot of behavioral changes or psychiatric or what we call neuropsychiatric symptoms of the disease may present even before the memory loss is very apparent. Um, the ability to manage more complex tasks, we call that executive function. So um, driving, managing your bills and finances and things, those things may become affected early in the disease uh, and may not come to the attention of a physician because people may not notice right away. Uh, Oftentimes the disease may be more progressed already as people haven't taken note that the individual has declined in some some way or another. So they're related to others just getting older. Yeah, and I think that unfortunately a lot of people think um, that normal aging may include memory loss and functional decline, and that should not be the case. Okay, so it shouldn't be the case. No, it should not. I mean, uh, memory loss and functional decline are not normal parts of aging. 
So I guess when you have those 80 or 90 year olds that you sit and they tell you stories and they're, you just can listen to them for hours, that's really something that's normal. Mm-hmm. So just because you're older, you should retain those memories and be able to. And that's interesting to me. I thought, because I even use it, I'm getting old and forgetting. So that's not really a symptom well, of getting old. Well, forgetfulness, I mean, that's, that's very different than, than dementia. Okay. So having some memory impairment, as I said earlier, it may not mean you have a dementia and uh, learning new information t- may take a little longer. It may, you know, people say it's on the tip of my tongue. Right. It may take a little m- longer to retrieve information as you get older, and that's all normal. And then there are people that have a lot of stress and anxiety and a lot of information in their head, and that also make you may think that you're losing your memory. You're really not. You're probably just stressed and need a good night's sleep. Okay. <laughs> um, does the person themselves have an idea? of these changes would would they know that something is wrong like when you know I'm getting the flu or I'm getting a cold I mm-hmm. go oh, I just don't feel right I, something's not right are they cognitively know that something's really maybe not right some people have insight into the fact that they may be losing memory a bit and uh, but a large percentage of people with Alzheimer's disease part of the the syndrome is lack of insight into their deficiencies I said I don't know that. Right. That's, they may not be aware at all. That's very interesting. Um, okay, I'm going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Dr. Redling. I'm Tom Wood of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. Suffering from neck or back pain can truly disrupt your life. Every day I hear of the stories of people whose lives have been devastated by nerve pain, but who are afraid to see a neurosurgeon. They're scared of surgery. But at Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists, we make getting back to the life you want possible using a variety of minimally invasive treatments. Our group of specialists are among the best trained doctors in the state, the leaders in stroke and minimally invasive spine and brain tumor procedures, and we view surgery as the last option. Don't be afraid to end your pain. Trust Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. We have eight offices throughout New Jersey and are affiliated with most healthcare systems. Call 973-285-7800 or visit us at ansdocs.com. That's ansdocs.com. Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist. We've truly got your back. Welcome back to Answers Live. It's Tom Wood from Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist. I'm here today with Dr. Teresa Redling from St. Barnabas. She's the Medical Director of Geriatric Health and Disease Management at Barnabas. And we've been discussing uh, many types of um, care that a geriatrician um, helps with our geriatric population. And we left talking about dementia, and we found out a lot of uh, different information on that. But we're going to get a little bit deeper into dementia with Dr. Redling because um, we know there's different types of dementia. Mm-hmm. So can we kind of break that down a little bit for everyone and go through that slowly on what types of dementia there are? Yes. So the most common form of dementia, and most people are, are familiar with, is Alzheimer's disease. That's about 60% of the population. And there are most Alzheimer's patients present when they're older than 70. However, there's, there are familial forms meaning that they're based genetically based, and you'll see family clusters of people presenting in their 40s and 50s with the disease. That's less common. Most people are older. It's associated with age. That's about 60% of the population. Then there are the vascular-type dementias, which are usually associated with strokes and hardening of the arteries of the brain. And then on the other side, there are those dementias that are associated with Parkinsonian-type features. So it could be Parkinson's disease dementia, could be another condition called Lewy body dementia, 
which is depends on who you read, either the second or third most common type of dementia actually after Alzheimer's disease and presents sometimes with some Parkinsonian features, but also with memory loss and a lot of behavioral stuff. That's okay. Lewy body dementia. Okay. Now, how would you decipher that? Uh, being a layman in this is um, Parkinson's has certain symptoms So, mm-hmm. um, and, and you have... Um, Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Now, Parkinson's, we know classically is the shaking. Actually, my dad had Parkinson's, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't notice any memory loss, but it was pretty severe with the shaking and the mm-hmm. difficulty swallowing, so we kind of knew what was his difficulty. But how would how do you, as a physician, decipher, say, um, one of those other types of dementia from Alzheimer's? Which... Well, the first approach is to have a physician like myself do a full uh, history and take a good physical, and do a physical exam, as well as certain um, blood testing and often referral for an image of the brain, like a CAT scan or an MRI, to see if there's anything underlying that we wouldn't have figured otherwise. For example, brain tumor. And we do see that sometimes. In addition, there are some cognitive testing that I would do in the practice, and there are some clinical signs and symptoms that would be key, for example, for Lewy body dementia. So Parkinson's disease with dementia, usually the patient has Parkinson's disease and is diagnosed for quite some time before they start developing memory loss. That's how you know it's Parkinson's dementia. Lewy body dementia often presents with memory loss and some Parkinsonian features. And about a third of the population or um, more later in the disease have uh, vivid visual hallucinations. Really? So Lewy body dementia looks like Parkinson's disease often, but it's not. It's kind of a Parkinsonian syndrome, but not Parkinson's disease. It's more complex than that. Oftentimes, when I'm not quite sure of the type of dementia that the individual has, and and there's overlap, too. So there could be Alzheimer's disease with Parkinson's. There could be Alzheimer's with Lewy bodies. So there could be overlap. And there are other types as well. There's a lot. There's dozens of different types of dementia. I will refer to my neuropsychologist that practices with me, who and he his specialty his area of specialty is is cognitive impairment and traumatic brain injury. There may be individuals that have had postoperative complications and they develop memory loss based on low blood pressure and not enough oxygen to the brain. So there's a lot of different types of dementing illnesses that we can diagnose. So I do work with other individuals to make the right diagnosis so we could direct their care better. Okay. This topic is, is very interesting to me. I think I probably have um, your, your colleague on the show to delve more into that mm-hmm. in, in the future weeks. Um, real quick before I get into the caregivers, which is really important to speak of, mm-hmm. um, I've heard with my father and Parkinson's, there was medication that helped the tremors mm-hmm. and, and did okay. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say it was great, but it helped somewhat. Um, what's on the forefront for Alzheimer's and dementia? You hear little things about, oh, there might be a pill there, mm-hmm. but it doesn't cure it. It slows it down. So what's going on with that? Right now, what we have available are what some people call replacement therapies, trying to keep those chemicals or neurotransmitters in the brain up to somewhat normal levels. But unfortunately, all that it does is it slows progression. It doesn't. There's nothing curative. So the newer studies and the newer trials the medications that are in clinical trial right now are shifting upstream to the processes before we develop the what are called plaques and tangles and the neuronal death. And, and interestingly enough, most people that present clinically with memory loss and other signs and symptoms of Alzheimer's, they've had the disease for decades. Okay. So the studies now are focusing on those individuals that are pre-Alzheimer's and other types of dementias and also addressing... Now we know that high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and diabetes all 
increase your risk for Alzheimer's disease as well. So healthy eating and managing other medical problems with medications. There are drugs right now, for example, our Aricept or, or Galantamine, Exelon, and then another class, Namenda, that we utilize quite frequently. But there's newer medicines that are on the horizon that will probably in the next five years or so, they'll be more significant. And there are a lot of clinical trials where we try to clean up the plaques and tangles in the brain. So there's lots of things that are actually exciting going on. Wonderful. So we have some medications to slow it down and basically keep healthy as you can. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, before the closing of the show, I want to touch a little bit on the caregivers. I know they get hit really hard with this. We know there's some places they have um, that can care for people with dementia if you can at home. Mm-hmm. And incorporating into that, let's talk a little bit about your, your facility at Barnabas and what you're doing there with your initiatives mm-hmm. to kind of close the show with that type of information. So I was... I joined St. Barnabas last fall, and our our newest program focuses not just on the outpatient practice, but bringing all these senior initiatives into the hospital. So the nurses are being trained specifically. Something called Nurses Improving Care for Health System Elders is an NYU-based program where the nurses learn to better manage uh, elders that are in the hospital, as well as addressing and identifying and intervening people that become acutely confused in the hospital. We have a delirium program. So there are a lot of new new initiatives, and, and this all uh, reaches into the community and into other physicians' practices as well to better man- take care of our senior population. As far as, uh, as referring for um, or addressing the caregiver, we right. know that particularly dementia or Alzheimer's disease is a family illness. It doesn't just affect the patient that has it, so referring and accessing um, resources for family members and caregivers is really important for us as well. And we do have a lot of collaborative relationships with different organizations, for example, Jewish Family Services, the Alzheimer's Association, and the and community-based aging associations we work very closely with. They're geriatric care managers. I mean, it's this big topic right. um, that assist us with with getting the right care in for individuals to keep them to age in place or referring to assisted living facilities, senior housing, et cetera, to just overall improve care for the individual as well as to offload the caregivers because it's it's a, a big challenge. to. Right. And a lot of these places, do they have help for the actual caregiver? Because I think at some point the patient doesn't really know what's going on. They right. don't even remember, unfortunately, sometimes their family members. Mm-hmm. And um, just being in the neuro uh, arena uh, career-wise, um, I hear a lot of those family members are just devastated because they need that support mm-hmm. on how to deal with them. Is there a certain way that you would deal with someone with dementia? Um, well, do you slow down topic. the way you do? Yeah, I guess <laughs> it is. It's a big topic. You probably well, say a, that. Lo- a lot of what I do is educate caregivers myself okay. and then make referrals to, for example, the Alzheimer's Association, which is an, an incredible organization that gives caregiver support as well. Support okay. groups. There's a, there's a lot of resources out there that people have no idea and how to access them. That That's largely what, what I do. Okay. So, so that there is resources out there for, for anyone listening uh, for the patient. But overall, I guess, is there a way to prevent Alzheimer's? Is there anything that uh, people listening might be concerned? Is there anything we should do? Even me, and, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm still quite young in my mm-hmm. late 40s, but is there anything you can do? The best thing that one can do as far as preventative is eat a very healthy diet, a lot of colorful fruits, vegetables, a lot of attention paid to the Mediterranean diet, not a lot of meat, uh, vegetables, whole grains that exercise your brain and your mind. 
Um, there's not a lot of uh, supplements that are really recommended at this point. It's really more focused on, for example, getting your omega-3 fatty acids through, through a healthy diet rather than popping pills. So it's all about a holistic approach. Okay. And for those that are high risk because they have family members with Alzheimer's, even possibly getting in to see physicians earlier, just make sure that you, you're managing yourself the best you can, stay healthy. Right. Is this hereditary? You said family members. It's, it? it's, uh, there are clusters, familial links. Okay. When people are diagnosed in their very early years, then, then there is definitely a genetic component. But you, do, you are at higher risk. Okay. If you have family member with Alzheimer's. So someone younger with Alzheimer's should probably watch. Okay. Um, again, this was an incredible show. Uh, very interesting. I definitely want to have you back or one of your colleagues because there's so much more I want to talk about. Again, um, this was Teresa Redling, the Medical Director of Geriatric Health and Disease Management at St. Barnabas Medical Center. You could reach her at 973-322-6457. You can call the uh, show line itself and inquire, and they'll get messages to me. Or you can um, actually call Atlantic's number two, which is 973-285-7800, and you can ask for me right at the office, and I can get that information to Dr. Redling. Again, thank you all for listening, and I will be speaking with you again next Sunday with another interesting topic. Have a wonderful day. I'm Tom Wood of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. Suffering from neck or back pain can truly disrupt your life. Every day I hear of the stories of people whose lives have been devastated by nerve pain, but who are afraid to see a neurosurgeon. They're scared of surgery. But at Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists, we make getting back to the life you want possible using a variety of minimally invasive treatments. Our group of specialists are among the best trained doctors in the state, the leaders in stroke and minimally invasive spine and brain tumor procedures, and we view surgery as the last option. Don't be afraid to end your pain. Trust Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. We have eight offices throughout New Jersey and are affiliated with most healthcare systems. Call 973-285-7800 or visit us at ansdocs.com. That's ansdocs.com. Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist. We've truly got your back. Join us again next week for Answers Live, your community medical connection making a partnership of good health. The preceding program was paid for by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. The views and opinions expressed on Answers Live are not necessarily those of the staff and management of the station. Management has not investigated the claims made during this program. The views and medical recommendations of guests on Answers Live are not necessarily those of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. As always, consult your health professional regarding any medical decisions.